Cat Gale joins me now. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. On a uh, Gimme All You Got Friday. Gimme All You Got! Gimme All You Got! Gus is going to do that right now. We didn't get to talk to him last week. He was uh, traveling, but uh, glad to have him back on the show this morning. Is the uh, Plenty to chat about, Gus, between the Saints' um, lack of acquisitions and free agency the Pelicans keep winning games despite being shorthanded, but the Zion drama continues on the side. NCAA tournaments happening. So a lot to get into, man. Appreciate you coming on this morning. How are you? Dude, last night was uh, so much fun, like from a sports watching standpoint, maybe not so much as my wife's standpoint because I paid no attention. <laughs> I mean, you're watching the start of Sweet 16 game into the Pelicans tip that goes uh, into Team USA taking on That's Mexico. Right. That goes right into the end of the Arizona Houston Duke Texas Tech game. I mean, I I'm tired. <laughs> I'm ready to go for another day. Man, I was I wasn't even feeling good last night. And I was so tired. I'm like, man, yeah. I gotta gotta stay up just in case Coach K loses. But uh, but Duke. Yeah. Well, of course, of course, he was going to win his 100th tournament game. That wasn't he wouldn't sure. lose that. Sure. Uh, now they take on Arkansas, who looked great against Gonzaga yeah. last night. What? Let me ask you this, Gus. What's the buzz yeah. like with with New Orleans hosting the Final Four? I was living in the city once when they hosted it, not in 2012, but uh, or 2011 rather, but back in like 03. I remember just all of the people in the city, the buzz. There was, I mean, the Final Four is yeah. a big deal when you host one. And just in this current state of things, you know, I know we're kind of post-pandemic, but what's what's the buzz been like in terms of the Final Four coming to New Orleans as the host city? Man, I got to be honest with you. I, I, I wouldn't say, at least not, and maybe it's just because, again, where I'm at and what our station is right now. And I mean, Scott, yes, even with Winston talk, I mean, dude, we'll have somebody come back out, get the Winston to sex, but so and so, such and such, such and such pals. Like I, I'm I'm not even kidding you. Um I wouldn't say that there isn't interest, but um I and I just think it's also maybe different, you know, when you're comparing times to where college basketball is. I remember talking what, two weeks ago when the tournament started, and I had that entire week leading into the first, you know, games. I'm like, I just sort of feel like college basketball right now is at a point where, I, you know, throw some die, throw a dart on the wall, you know, any any team was shot got a shot really. I mean, when you look at the first and second round, the upset, Mary's all this stuff. stuff I, I just think you had one and done. You had transfer. I, I don't think you're going to see dominance by quote-unquote the blue bud, per, per se, um, nearly as much as maybe in the past. I could be wrong, Scott, but even watching last night, um, you know, in, in games, I, I just, I don't, know, I don't know if there's that connection. I keep using that phrase, and maybe a lot of it had to do with LSU's team this year. You know, it's nuts. They go to the Sweet 16 a couple of years back, and there was excitement as the tournament got to there. This was a team that had a ton of expectation level, but I, you know, I remember as a kid growing up, Scott, the names of Singleton and Blanton, and you know, obviously you know, Jackson and you know Shaq days. But I, to me, it was just I felt more of a connection. And, and granted, some of those players didn't stay very long, and some were four-year players. But I just even with with this recent LSU team, which had a ton of talent, you could probably argue they underachieved. And, and you had the Will Wade situation. I just, I don't feel that there is that connection towards college basketball the way they were. And Nichols and you will know here locally battled it out several times, you know, for the Southland Conference title. And I just, I, 
it, it has not dominated my airways or, you know, text or conversations at the gym. It's been all Pelicans or Saints to the point where literally um, I, I kind of, you know, I got asked to, to moderate a couple of things from Wilson basketball that are coming in town. I'm like, oh, wow, that's next weekend. You know, it's kind of like that makes sense. Like I, I don't remind myself it's next weekend. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. No, no, I get so, it. I yeah. get it, man. I think, yeah. look, a couple things there. I think the NIL uh, isn't going to change like it's it's not this giant game changer in regards it is a game changer but in terms of what I'm about to say it's not a gigantic game changer in regards to maybe cutting back on the one and dones but I do think it helps a little right like like you're you look you're you're elite of the elite lotto pick go like Jabari Smith he's going to I know he hadn't announced it yet he's going to leave Auburn but for guys that maybe you're back in the lottery second round guys I mean every year we see a lot more players declare for the NBA draft than are actually drafted. And I do think right. NIL helps a little bit. So maybe there will be next year some more recognizable games in the tournament again. But it'll never be what it used to be. It, it, it won't. It's not, yeah, it's not going back to that in terms of just knowing and recognizing those names and those players. But, look, it's great for the state and the city that the Final Four is coming to New Orleans next week. Um, you know, the teams in it will bring some fans uh, the city and the state certainly could use it, and, and they'll have some excitement surrounding it. But, you know, in terms of hoops in the city, shout out Loyola on the national championship, my alma mater. Yep. And then the Pelicans, Gus, that, I, look, I was just watching it. But no Brandon Ingram, right? Obviously, Zion hadn't played this year. Dude, the Smoothie King Center was popping last night. Like, they mm-hmm. are really in, like, w- when the team. When the team is there for each other, when they're buying in, and they're embracing the city, it, it and and they're and look and and they're winning right. And after starting three and sure, sixteen, they're twenty eight <laughs> and twenty six cents even without Zion and with Brandon Ingram missing twenty three games, and and the fact that you do have a play in shot and all that other stuff, there is a, a an undeniable buzz. And last night, that energy in the building, man, just it seemed loud. It seemed. Just like everybody in there, it it just felt like a real solid top tier basketball environment and atmosphere. And I've been to some games in there where there's a buzz, and I've been to some games in there where it is dead. Last night, it felt like it was buzzing. I text Todd or he texts me. Play by play, boys. Yeah, uh, Graffinini, sorry. And um, he. I, I was like, dude, that, that was incredible. And he said that was a real playoff atmosphere. And, you know, that run in that third quarter, it's funny, I, I had a couple buddies sitting in the stands there as well. I'm going back and forth. And, you know, Zach Levine was just showing why that guy's a superstar. And, you know, you're, you're just sitting there going, man, they just have more shooting than you. And, you know, I, I call him the human gnat, but Caruso is just a human gnat. He, he's that guy you cannot Stand if you're on the other team, and I think it's one of the reasons the Lakers are where they are right now. Guys like that, you know, may not be the jersey sellers and the guys that scream and A. Smith talk about all the time, but um, they're glue on your team and they're so important. And you saw there was a stretch of like ah, you know, they go on a ten something run, but that seventeen four run where Alvarado stealing the ball, causing travels, hitting threes, then Larry Nance goes on a Larry Nance run. I mean, like. That you're starting to see why I think people are buying in, and what's incredible, you know, is, is the kind of what do you say? Dichotomy. It's just it's crazy. There's two narratives right now about this basketball team. Jimmy is a, a constant caller in our show. Um, I, I know when I see it on on my screen, I know I know what it is. It's complaining that no one goes to the game. He is a huge fan. But the first things out of his mouth is tickets are going for $3 on StubHub or whatever. I mean, it, so he does, you know, and he's disappointed that it's not a sellout. And I hear you and, and I do, and I get it. And that goes in conjunction with, you know, Stephen A. Smith's video yesterday. You know, he knows for a fact that Zion essentially, he does, he hates New Orleans, can't wait to be a Nick, all this other stuff. And, and then you have what we're seeing and feeling and can point to and can talk about tangibly. 
And that is, there is a legit culture being built. And I would almost say a foundation being laid right before your eyes, dude. Like right before your eyes. Um, and I think it starts with Willie Green. Obviously getting the team to play a certain way, buying into it and believing it. But you know this from the years that you've covered sports, from when you had Coach Napier, you know, in Cajun country. What was his thing? Culture, right? If you don't have that, I just think it makes it harder. When you have that and you don't have, per se, the talent that other teams do, you at least have an opportunity to compete. I think that's what you're watching right now. The way everyone actually genuinely likes one another here, um, I think helped set the foundation for when you've got a guy, let's just call it the, the root to a gumbo, the roast beef on a roast beef sandwich. That's what I think C.J. McCollum and those Blazers guys have been, man. Um, sure, the basketball part that they bring, you can see that, right? I mean, C.J. taking over for a bit yesterday, Larry Nance, you see how smart he is, shot blocking, three-point shooting, all that. Like, you see basketball stuff. But what maybe goes overlooked, um, and he doesn't do it for attention, but C.J. McCollum on Wednesday brings in two food trucks and treats the entire Saints and Pelicans facility to lunch, like everybody. And the only way I even saw that was the wife of one of the digital Saints you know, employees like shouted out to him on Twitter and said, thank you for that. It, it, you know, it's little things like that. And I'm sitting here like, this is a guy that's come in from day one. Didn't have to. I mean, let's be honest. The guy's played with Dane Wither. He's played in playoff games. He's played in situations where at his point in his career, you had literally Stephen A. Smith saying he feels gutted and terrible for the guy that he's going to, you know, New Orleans. And I'm sitting there and all he's done is basically become Breeze. And, and I'm not over-exaggerating in this aspect. Though. He's become like an ambassador. All you hear every single time this week, he did it again on another podcast, talking about New Orleans, talking about the city. He hadn't been here that long. I don't you know the city and the culture, but he's the president of the Players' Union, so he understands that what he says means something, that he understands if he's going to be here for two, three years, talking highly about where you're at, talking about the place, the culture, the people, the organization in the locker room. It's going to help you in free agency. It's going to help you get players to want to play here. And I think it's been absolutely brilliant. Um, so you, you have guys that are getting the opportunity or playing hard, buy into what Willie says. Then you add some NBA seasoning of veteran leadership and a guy that I think genuinely is enjoying himself here in C.J. McCollum. And you legitimately have, Scott, the basis and the makings of something that's going to be fun here moving forward. I don't know where they go this year. I'm not even thinking about it this year. I think if you can do a play-in game where this fan base can you know, have a playoff in a playoff atmosphere, man, that, I, I think that's a win. Look, you're going to try to have to beat LeBron and AD and everybody in the play-in. It's not going to be easy, but you know what? It's meaningful basketball. You now have nine games that everybody's going to be paying attention to by the second. Your score we're watching and doing all of that. And as you mentioned, Brandon Ingram's missed a bunch of games and Zion Williamson hasn't played. So I think that's the frustrating element to me is that there are two narratives that are battling one another that couldn't be more different. You have no one cares. No one's going to the game. Zion wants to leave no matter what happens. And then you have what you see actually on the court. I'll go to practice and, and see or or feel in the community, Scott. They're in a grocery store visit. They're in a gym trip where I'm not talking Pelicans, dude. Like, that that doesn't happen here. And so, you know, I'm sitting here last night at the end of the game. I'm going back and forth with the graph, and we're talking about the atmosphere, and we're also talking about that video from Stephen A. that's made viral news where he's like, he's convinced he's going to New York, doesn't want to be there, hates New Orleans. I'm like, well, then that's a you problem at that point. You got players that are really good. You got players that care. You have a locker room that buys in the NBA. You just saw this week the Miami Heat explosion. You you can say back and forth about ownership, but Dolan and the Knicks, they're a disaster this year. They've underachieved following last season. Um, you literally have a New York Post writer this week that I brought up on my show Thursday, Scott, 
where he's questioning whether or not the Knicks should give the extension uh, extension to R.J. Barrett, yet in that Stephen A. video saying that the Knicks should get him, it's because he pairs perfectly with R.J. Barrett. Jay Williams, same thing uh, on Thursday morning from the morning show on ESPN. R.J. Barrett's a perfect pairing. The people that are covering the Knicks literally are questioning whether they should give this guy a rookie extension. It's, it's such a disconnect. I've never seen anything well, like Well, Stephen A. is an entertainer. He's not a, he's not a, he's not a journalist, and he hadn't been for a while. He's an entertainer. He's also no, represented know, it's not, by... It's just so crazy to see... It's where we are. Like, Look, the it's... The two sets of reporters that cover the teams are telling you how they're going. One direction's going south, one's going north. Yet the national media is trying to convince you it's completely the other way. Well, national media typically doesn't have on local reporters or journalists, and that's just true of any team, right? They they right. do it in-house. They usually do it with someone that works with them and then somebody that might even have the same representation in terms of their agency. I mean, Stephen right. A's agency is CAA, same one that represents Zion, same one that represents the majority of the players on the Knicks, including their coach Tom Thibodeau, and they have an office in New York City. And you can... You know, you start you start peeling back the curtain and looking at what true motives are, and you start looking beyond just okay. All right, why why are they saying this? Why are they going this route? It's oh, it's because they hate New Orleans, or it's because they hate small markets. It's it's there's there's a game being played by some, and you know, I I don't know, I I don't watch really Stephen A. or national media anymore. I stopped that a long time ago, and. I see a lot of it on my timeline because people are always upset about it, but you're not going to change any of that. You know, you're just not. Right. Um, as far as Zion goes, ESPN Lafayette, best ticket in sports. You know, you you look at Kyler Murray and his situation recently with the Cardinals, right? It was like Kyler Murray unfollowed the Cardinals on Instagram. Oh, that was the story. I mean, legit. And it was a real one. I'm not, I mean, I'm kind of laughing, but it was like, there's some disconnect there. Kyler Murray wants this. Oh, no, Kyler Murray's following them once again. Kyler Murray says he's all in. Kyler Murray wants this. No, now he wants this. Like, he doesn't actually say much, and then he ended up releasing a statement that said he was in and other stuff. But it, at least he at some point released a statement. My point is this, guys. Usually when you have a, a star athlete in their early 20s, you know, we're we're talking Gen Z at this point, they don't really say stuff. They just they 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 put it out into the metaverse of social media and then they let everyone else try to sort of play sluice or put it together or what does it mean? I mean it was a two second video on Instagram and the reports are that he thinks he's healthy enough to play. Pell's medical staff's like, you're not. We can't let you play unless you're actually medically cleared. And in the past, when he hasn't listened to the team's medical staff, he's gone and he's gotten hurt. I mean, these are just facts. I'm not I'm not even taking a side one way or the other. I'm just stating the facts of the situation. So on one hand, like you said, you've got the Pelicans doing big things, winning games. They're setting themselves up to be in the play-in, maybe host the Lakers. Who knows what happens after that? And then you've got the guy that last year was your all-star that is when he does play – is a superstar and appears to be unhappy. It's been drama. It's been one thing after another all year. And it's same franchise, but it's almost like they're completely separated, even though he's there now and in the facility. I've said since November, I don't think he's playing this year. I said on your show this week, if he was healthy enough to play, let him play. Let him play. Like, do it. I, I You know, you, you sign guys on 10 days that are playing like that. He's just not healthy enough to play at this point per the medical staff that's taking a look at him, not some, you know, some family friends in Portland or whoever they hired. Get over it. I mean, if you're not healthy enough to play, you're not healthy enough to play. Just roll with it. But you know what? We got to have that added layer of drama with two second Instagram videos. I I agree, man. And I I think that's the thing that, you know, it, it is crazy. I think you bring up a very good point of uh, by by Kyler Murray and look, you know what? Let's uh, let's go to our very own Michael Thomas. Was the last time you actually heard Michael Thomas? Well, when he does talk, it's right. very quiet and just you know by the book. Well, no, then, but I, exactly. But I mean, my man can't find you know Twitter fast enough, right? That's right. I mean, and, and, and 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 what are and, and and seriously, how many New Orleans Saints beat reporters 
are now convinced that he is all in, uh, ready to be back, stronger than ever, based off of what? Based off of social media things. Ready to go monster mode. Yeah. Social media. He hadn't talked. He hadn't had a press conference. He hadn't spoken to us. I can't tell you the last time we were in a locker room or anything. I mean, right? I mean, Scott, it's almost two years. Like, seriously, when's the last time you heard or seen Michael Thomas? But we are convinced my man's ready to go. He's back. He's healthy. He's invested. He is all in. It's inc- you know, you bring up a great point that I'm going to steal and use today. You're right. Like, we, we base our, you know, a lot of fans and media-based commitment based now off of social media postings or, or where they feel and who's liking what and who's doing what. And, look, sometimes it's true, Scott. Sometimes it does turn out to, to be the, 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 the feeling that they have and everything. But, you know, to your point, man, it's one of those things where, you know, you're seeing Zion's reaction in the game yesterday. The guys in, you know. He's cheering for his teammates. He was excited. I mean, yeah. yeah, You're going to have to, like, then now start saying, well, he's faking that he's liking it and all that. But, look, if you are about basketball and all that, at the end of the day, um, whatever, man. I I just think that you, you do have to sometimes question the maturity level because you know exactly what you're doing when you post that video. You know what's coming. You, you know you're doing it on purpose. And like you said, so is it a message? Um, is the organization It was calculated. Sure, of course it was calculated. Yeah, look, and yeah. you and I talked about it on our show, man. I, I go back to the Jordan doc. He was aggravated at the Bulls shot him when he was injured and he watched his team lose in the postseason or whatever and, and, and missed the postseason because of it, I forgot. But the point is, he did all of that, and uh, then he went on to win six rings. So I'm not saying that's what Zion is doing, but I can understand the organization saying, you know what, um, I need you to be healthier. Now it is interesting because, like you said, that there is a um, that there is a tie representation-wise between Screaming A and, and Zion because the one thing I took out of that video that was interesting to me is he said that he felt that the Pels – didn't want to deal with that. What if he comes back and plays well? And every time he plays like that, people are going to want to say, get him out of there because he's so good. So that, that is the slant and the angle to your point that maybe his side is kind of painting that they're keeping him back from playing because that is going to make people. Because say, it'll make, uh-huh. it'll make uh, national talking heads that spit out palaver continue to do what they're already doing. Okay. Right. I mean, exactly. right. So, which is crazy because keep in mind, if he's playing and playing well, and he has a team that appears to be, you know, deeper or better or more talented than what he last was on the court, that means they would actually win. That means they'd actually be in the playoffs. And that means that it would be doing what it is. Then you have to face a whole other thing, right, if you're Zion's people. How do you convince people that while they're winning and they're playing well, that, that still isn't the place for him? Yeah, <laughs> it's, all, it's all speculation, Gus. I think, look, I think he just wants to play. You know, maybe he wants out, maybe he doesn't. I don't know. He really wants to play. He's not healthy enough to play. At least the, the medical staff or the Pelicans don't think he is. That's... That's what that's what we kind of know. He wants to play this season. Pels are cautious to let him. Right. All of the other stuff is all speculation about you know and 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 innuendo and rumor and you know again guys with the same representation that also represent a lot of the Knicks and and all this other stuff. So it's it is what it is. The team this weekend, Zion aside, they've got the two biggest games. They haven't played meaningful basketball this time of the season in like four years. So. Yeah. Here they are, Spurs, then Lakers. They're right behind yeah. you in the standings. I mean, you have a chance to separate. Maybe Ingram comes back. Good to see Larry Nance Jr. make his debut last night. I think that block he had still hadn't landed yet. So it's um, it's a big weekend for him. There's a buzz. The crowds are showing up. It's a lot of fun. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. So, I'm Scott can, Prather. Can that I is Gus Cattingale. Yeah, go ahead, add one thing, I, and then we're going to hit on the thing. Saints. Yeah, one, one quick thing. My friendships are starting to be tested. To give you an idea of, of the 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 buzz here, I literally got ten texts last night 
when that game was starting to get, you know, to where it was controlled by the Pelicans winning tickets. Now, I get four tickets to give away every game. <laughs> I mean, I'm like, I got a buddy from Denver who's flying in. Like, my man, can I get some tickets? I got I got a longtime friend that's been like, you know what, I'm finally buying it. I need some tickets. I mean, I'm not kidding you. I have 12, 10 to 12 ticket requests last night on my phone. I'm supposed to give them away on the air. I'm like, that's so friendships are being tested right now. I mean, I, I give tickets away sometimes on occasion on social media. There's people I don't know just in the DM. Scott, man, you got any tickets? Like, no, I, I don't. Yep. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> hey, that's good, man. Saying, that's man. good. That's a you good know. thing to have, man. It's a good thing to have. Good. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. All right, that is Gus Cagle. We're going to take a quick time out. Give me all you got. Friday, Saints, free agency. Guys are leaving. Are they? Are guys coming right now? The answer is no. They have not done much on the free agency market. It's, you know, we're, we're deep into it at this point. It has not been good. I've been called a hater or, or a pessimist and too negative. I, I feel like I'm just stating facts about the Saints free agency thus far. We'll get into all of that when we come back right after this on a Friday on the Great Scott Show. ESP and Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. He still hasn't given up his dream of becoming a member of the Beastie Boys. Mm, drop! Scott Prather on the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette. The best ticket in sports. It does go well with a chicken. That's a record. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show on a Friday. Give me all you got. This is ESPN Lafayette, 103.3 on the FM, 1420 on the AM, streaming worldwide via the ESPN Lafayette app. Brought to you by Champagne's Market on the Oil Center. Champagne's going the extra mile. Gus Kattengill, our Saints and Pelicans correspondent, our guest now. Gus, let's talk some Saints. Um, what's happening I mean, are they doing anything here? Because I've heard the argument that, oh, well, they're not doing anything that different, right? They usually in the past have waited, you know, for the first wave of free agency to hit and then get some, you know, try to get some good deals off of the clearance rack. And that's that's somewhat true, although they signed to Mario Davis pretty early on, didn't they? Um, I, I The difference, though, is that when they have taken that approach to free agency in recent years, they had a good roster. Like, the Saints defensively, maybe they're not quite as good as they were with Marcus Williams. They're still good. Offensively, they're terrible. They were bad last year. They had big holes on offense. You are now um, 11, what, 12 days into free agency, at least when the legal tampering period began. And your offense is worse than it was a season ago at this moment in time. The holes are even bigger. Am I being too negative here or am I being objective? Because while they still have the draft and while free agency isn't done yet, just seems like, man, I, uh, the, the, I excuse me if I'm not going to celebrate the Saints offseason thus far because to this point, you lost your head coach, you've struck out in free agency, you, 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 you went hard to recruit a guy that, you know, uh, some in the fan base didn't want for non-football reasons. It's just it hasn't been – a good all season for the Saints. That's the nice way to say it. Up to this point, up until March 25th, it's been an awful all season for the Saints. I think that's the objective way to say it. You remember when Aaron Rodgers told the fan base that was freaking out in Green Bay and he spelled a letter? He spelled the word. He said R E L A X. Are you about to do that, Gus? I am. It's actually my topic today. Um, People are losing their minds, man. It's not you. Like, it, it's not you. It's it, all right it, if you it, say I'm losing my mind. Top. I mean, I, you know. No. I mean, the it's first. not like, uh, no, I, I would just say, I kind of, and, and you know me, I, I'm the guy last year that was like, this is a seven, eight win team. You know, I don't understand where everyone sort of looks at certain things. I, I just, I, I tend to kind of look at maybe where things are on a certain level. And so my quick counter 
I wouldn't even say argument. My, my counterpoint to why you should just relax a bit probably is this. Um, the, the free agent signings and things that you see, you're right. Other teams are signing players. You're right. The Saints offense is not better than they were last year because they lost some key players. Now, we've all thought Teron Armstead was not going to be that. We all probably argued the point that it probably shouldn't be a big signing that the Saints had. Now, look, you look at the end of the day, it's 17 and a half. 17 and a half. The Saints fans want to give 17 and a half to Teron Armstead. Now, I know what he is and everything, but we literally spent most of last season, the beginning parts of this offseason, Say, well, you know, when he's healthy. And so we've kind of, I thought we were all had come to terms with the understanding that Teron Armstead, it was probably time to move on. Um, Marcus Williams, he left. I got it. You know how I feel about Marcus Williams. You got a guy in Marcus May, 4.5 million less, but he's coming off of Achilles. I know. Kwan Alexander started the season, you know, off of an Achilles injury. Um, Marcus May is not a terrible football player. I think you at least we're in that neighborhood with that. So the two biggest names that you didn't re-sign or left in free agency, true or not, Scott, were they not guys that we already kind of thought they were not going to come back or kind of felt that it was time to let them go move on because you didn't want to pay them. So here's my second counterpoint. All you hear is all the money, the cap, the cap, the cap, night, and, and I said it, and you, I think, even agreed, we all know every single year the Saints will find a way to do it. We all think you, you and I both referenced weeks ago Nick Underhill's two-minute video on New Orleans.football on Twitter that, that he went through the list of jersey-selling players whose bonuses and roster stuff could be converted that would get the Saints under the cap, and he's like, relax. And they did, right, which is why we have 26.2 under the cap, the same amount of money now that – same Saints fans are freaking out that we're not spending like we just got our tax refund and we have to go to Best Buy and get the TV now because it's not going to be on sale tomorrow. So, again, expected, got the money, but now everyone wants to go get guys. I, I know you like the names Odell Beckham Jr. I know you like the names Jarvis Landry. Here's the thing. Now, I'm not saying you, Scott. I'm saying like Saints fans that want those guys. A, when is OBJ going to be healthy? He just blew his knee in the Super Bowl. So it's going to be a bit. Because the quarterback, I get it. The quarterback blew his knee in Halloween. And that's also part of this reason. If I'm a free agent receiver, and mind you, the Packers just signed somebody from San Francisco who had less catches, by the way, than Traquan Smith. 18 mil. Less catches. And everyone, again, yesterday. I, oh, no, oh, that, that, I, I look, let me jump in real quick. That was not one that I was like, oh my God, this okay. is terrible. Well, that, to okay. be clear, I, I opened the show okay. saying, why would anyone want to give $30 million to, to a guy who caught less passes than Traquan Smith last season and he was playing with Aaron Rodgers? I mean, come on. Uh, $30 mil? No. 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 I'm, you know, you, yeah. you, you. All right. So. Right. To, to your point, though, I mean, that's what I'm saying. It's like, look at some of these signings and the moves that some of these teams have have, uh, have done. And I, I don't know. I just sit here. There's two things that you've been hearing from the get-go, Scott, um, in terms of this upcoming draft. Receivers are stock full. And you have good offensive linemen, which is one of the reasons – I kept saying the the uh, the Sean Watson thing for me was too much. I would have rather build the team because of everything you told me before I started my my rant, Scott. That this team needs to get better offensively. They need to find playmakers. You're replacing an iconic coach. You're replacing a Hall of Fame quarterback. You need to reset things. And I said this last year. This was one of those years last year. Let's see what you got. If you remember, Scott, I said this at the beginning of last year in the offseason. This was a year coming up. Let's see what you got. What are your foundational pieces? Then you go try to find how to fix that. Start the process to becoming a perennial playoff team again. You weren't going to win the Super Bowl last year. You're not a Super Bowl contender probably this year, although I've been arguing that I think they're closer than not based on what I saw last year. So I'm not freaking out. You still have the same, you know, capabilities on the defensive side. You haven't hit on the draft, which, again, 
You, you want to make news? You want to go get your guy? Go get Chris Olaf, man, you know, from Ohio State. That, that guy is a touchdown maker. Everyone is saying that. There's receivers everywhere here. This team has, in the past, been aggressive in the draft to move up in trade-up. While other teams are freaking out and trying to move up and down and go get a quarterback that they shouldn't get in the first round, go get your receiver. What happens? Because everyone's complaining. You haven't helped the receiving core. You haven't helped. I got you. If Michael Thomas comes back healthy and you go get Olav or, you know, any of these guys out there that, that are solid. I like Traylon Burks. I mean, you, you all these really nice potential number one, at the very least number two, day one starting receiver. All of a sudden, you've got that guy there with Michael Thomas. In the other rounds of the draft, even in the second, you can go get an offensive lineman, or you use the first pick to go get your tackle, and then you get a nice receiver in that second round. It's like, I, I, I understand the angst, but this happens every year. It, it's, it's my intern. He freaks out because by 3 p.m. on Monday of the legal tampering, the Saints haven't signed massive names. And, and, and I try to relax them because it's such a long process to go through it. And you, you can't have one or the other, right? One of the things we have lauded is Jeff Ireland. We have lauded the, the draft and the recruiting, or not recruiting, but the scouting, rather, that the Saints staff has had recently. Um, this past draft wasn't bad, right? So... If, if we want to sit there and say, well, wow, look what the Saints sort of found themselves in a Debo, and a guy that didn't play football, you know, and a guy that paid into we got hurt. He got hurt, man. But I'm telling you, in the practices and stuff I saw, I think he's ahead of Davenport. Um, you're looking at, you know, the linebacking core. Oh, man, really, Pete Werner? Uh, he's probably the third or fourth best linebacker in Ohio State. Um, he's not bad. So if this was the same group of people, then – it makes sense to me, right, to not just go throw money out there for a receiver when I can maybe draft one under a rookie deal, you not pay you as much, maybe find one that's better. I don't know. Same to me, look, I mean, look. I, I, I'm just not panicking. I'm not. I, you again, said you said your your intern does it every year. Draft. I'm trusting him. I, I don't. I just. I don't understand the panic. I just. I think. I think the difference that. is for me that this year this roster just needs a lot more help than they have in off seasons in the recent past. That's, okay. That's so, a lot more. And so I don't. I don't think you sure it up by just drafting a receiver. You're you're awful at tight end. You're not good at receiver. You don't have any depth on the O line now. Um, it, it's that's not good for a team that defensively. And in terms of special right, well, teams, you're right, strong. Well, fair, because this is what I'm going to ask our listeners to do the same thing. List me the three to five players in all the position groups you think the Saints should have gone and gotten. Well, I think there's a number of. First of all, I I was for Jarvis Landry. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I think it makes sense. I think it would be good. Yep. You know, I, I think when you don't, and I think they would like him too, Scott. Just like they would like Deshaun Watson. But this is what I'm trying to bring up, too. OBJ, Landry, those other guys that have been in the league, what, what, what do they like as well other than money? A chance to win. And here's what the Saints have. This is a fact. I don't know, right, if I'm them. If Jameis Winston can be back, you've got a guy that I know has been called the offensive coordinator, but now he's going into his first year as an offensive coordinator for real. Is he Sean Payton? He's probably right. not. I don't know. I don't know that These are, that, I those are, there is a lot of unknowns on t- offensive coordinator. So I think the Saints have to just understand you're battling a couple of things here as well. And I think it's understandable. The same reason why some NBA, you know, free agents aren't, well, are is New Orleans serious about winning? You can throw them all the money you want. David Griffin offered a hundred million dollars to Chris Paul and Kyle Lowry. They passed. So, just because the Saints haven't signed them, I mean, they're not doing it. Guys got to want to play here, right? Yeah. And that—that's another reason why it's kind of like—is—is—is is, is it changing? You know, how, you know how much how much did Sean Payton make a difference? There's a lot of unknown in terms of alignment. Right? Look, you—you you were waiting on Armstead, but you got caught. He was gone. You figured he'd probably be gone, and now a lot of your guys on the secondary <laughs> market that would not have cost a lot, whether it be. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, a uh, 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 Morgan Moses or or a Cornelius Lucas. I know that these aren't names that are going to freak people out. 
these are people that can start at left tackle, that have started at tackle. Jamarco Jones, guys that would cost you a lot less, but in the past, when the same, like Carl Nix, right? Carl Nix was great in 2011. Best guard in the game, right? 2012 hits, we can't afford him. Like, he's going to go get this giant deal from Tampa Bay. They go out, they sign Ben Grubbs, right? Um, the year they signed Larry Warford, the, the top guard they wanted was a guy in Cleveland that ended up signing a deal that was just a little out of their price range, but they were prepared. They had Warford standing right there. I just feel like those those are the kind of deals, not the kinds like your intern says, why haven't they signed a big name? Those are the deals right. to me that have gotten the Saints in the past, at least during the stretch of winning the NFC South, where they had really good, solid depth, where they had starters that maybe aren't going to be household, even though Warford went on and was a multi-time Pro Bowler. Maybe they weren't, Ben Grubbs was a Pro Bowler as well. Maybe they weren't these household names, but they were adequate, right? And right now, you don't really have adequate at a lot of spots. And so, you know, I mean, what's left out there at O-line? I mean, Nate Solder, I mean, he's 33. Dwayne Brown, he's 36. Brian Beluga, he's 33. A lot of guys that just either go the James Hirsch route, there's not a lot of experience there, or you go, okay, this is a guy that used to be good, we just hope he can stay healthy for a year. And that's not really when the Saints were doing their best work in free agency, in my opinion, the things that were working. So I, I don't know. You asked me to give you some. Those were those were just some names that came to my mind, and and most of them are are gone at this point. So that's why that's why I'm that's why I'm, that's why I'm worried thing too, Scott. No, I, I know, and I mean that's I, I understand. Um, but I also would look at it like this too, and, and a couple other levels too. Mark um, Tron said just decided on Wednesday, right? So. You know, I mean, a lot of it was based on Deshaun Watson waiting. Then you had to wait on, on Tehran to make his decision to see if he can. So I, I think, I, you know what? I bet you by the time you come on my show next Wednesday, the Saints would have signed some players. Now, it may not be the players you like. Right. It may not be the players that you think are difference makers, championship contenders, things of that nature. I, I just, I, I think the why or how I'm trying to just calm people down for a sec, for a sec is where, where are you as an organization? Where are you as a franchise? It's the same thing that I go through every single year when free agents in the NBA hit for the Pelicans and Kyle and CP me and others sign elsewhere and Pell say, I'm like, man, it, I know you have been living a good life. You know, I was just in the West Coast over in the Phoenix area, man. You know, like I, it's it's a different world. It's fantasy, man. The weather is beautiful. There's money. It's it's different, but that that's not where you are. I mean, it, you're you're not the things of all in Super Bowl or bust things from that nature. You're you're trying to reset, not rebuild. I you still I still think Scott. They may not be my favorites or to a lot of different people as. You know, once Tom came back, but I still think it's them and the Bucks to contend for the NFC South next year. I still believe that. Um, I still think they're going to field a pretty good team. Um, I, I just that's just me, and I and I am not Mister Fanboy. I, that is not what I do. But I, you know, even still, that that's your best hope right now. It's the first year of a coach, first year of a new coordinator, trying to see where you are. Is Jameis the guy? Do you have to draft another quarterback? Do they draft a quarterback to develop this year? Um, That's where this franchise is. And I think we've just gotten used to, and that guy, and this guy. Now we can make a run. That's not where you are. That's not where you are. Because you can say that you can do that and compete for the NFC. Because, you know, are the Packers the same? Because they lost Adams? Are they the same? Are they weaker or not? How's San Francisco? What are they going to do? Are the Rams back? I, I don't know if you're in the up echelon of the NFC, and I'm okay with that. Well, the but NFC, let's be honest, has taken, as a whole, the NFC has taken a step back. Gus Kattengill, our guest, he is no, that's Lafayette, what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. So I would rather you figure out who you are, be, you know, do things right with your money, try to get someone under order. The cap's never going to be an issue for the Saints. They're going to be fine. But just make sense. Just don't go spend the spend. Make sure who you are and everything, and then get back to it. The AFC is a joke. You, you, that's how I look at it, right? Just like when we talked about it in the past, if you wanted to be the Pelicans and, and try to you know, compete, 
you're, you're going to have to compete against so many teams over there in the West. So the same thing. How am I competing against teams in the AFC? I'm going to have to score, Scott. I better have a quarterback that can make plays. I better have some receivers. I better have some defense. Like, you better do a lot of those different aspects of it. And, you know, I just think we'll figure things out, see what you get in the draft this year. Sean in the scouting department did a very good job of finding players, you know, during camp, during the season, things like that. But to see where you are, um, where you don't have a season that's wrecked by COVID. And I know it can happen. But you don't have a season where your starting center is lost on the first play of first series of the game. I know that can happen. Well, you don't have a season where your starting quarterback blows his knee. I know that can happen. Well, you don't have a season where both tackles literally don't play most of the season. And I know that can happen. I get that. But the odds of all of that happening again, I just – I can't imagine they're high. So I, I, I just, I'm breathing, I'm relaxing, and I'm ready to see what they can do in this draft that I think is deep, especially at areas of need. And it's the same group of people that we have applauded and you know, given a ton of credit to for finding players in the draft that this team has built around. So I'm not going to give up on it just yet. Because they didn't sign some dude to a thirty million dollar contract. Now, I know that's what you, I know. I know Scott, you said that's not what you meant. But I'm just saying that set off a bunch of Twitter yesterday. You know, this guy got to like stop it. Trey it was it was it was it was a group look. It's it, it's a group of fans that are that are worried, and then it was like, oh god, now no one wants us. Like, no, they just paid more, and you're probably lucky that they did because you don't want to pay that much to that guy, ESPN Lafayette. The good thing happening with the Saints right now is they'll be able to compete because the NFC South is going to be dreadful. Um, it's going to be a weak division. The AFC, this is my last question for you guys, and we appreciate you taking so much time. Are you surprised at this NFL offseason? Because from a trade standpoint and a, a star player standpoint, we've never seen anything even close to what what this offseason has been like. I, I am and I'm not because we, we saw this coming, didn't we? I mean, we, um, we talked about how there is this desire. And again, I just think it's kind of where we are, man. I, I legitimately think sometimes executives, organizations, stuff, and, and fan bases live on Twitter and think that Twitter is the real-life representation to it. There's this desire to overhaul, get better, you can do better, win now, do all these different things that I've never really seen before. It's kind of interesting when you think about it. Um, we had seven, eight teams this year, Scott, that aren't happy with their starting quarterback, but they had a starting quarterback, but they think they can do better at starting quarterback. And yet, I don't know what other starting quarterback you're going to get, right? I mean, um, so you still have some teams that don't have a starting quarterback. I mean, you know, people in Indianapolis feel like they, yeah, Matt Ryan, we called them noodle on here. I mean, you know, <laughs> now granted, he didn't get protected. And that's the thing. You look at some of these quarterbacks, did they get what they could? And it's the same thing. I got people telling me left and right. We need Jimmy G. Kyle Shanahan doesn't think he can make it work. Kyle Shanahan, you know, guy went to the Super Bowl. You're trying to trade him. I, I just so that's why I keep saying, Scott. I, I figure out who you are, develop, coach, um, and then and then and then go get him. You know, and then once you build your mold, once you know what you want. Then, then you find guys that fit that sort of plug and play, man. I, I dare say the Napier way, buddy. Um, I, I just, I just, I don't know, man. I, 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 I'm not surprised, but I, I don't know what some of these organizations like. Cleveland's desperate to me, you know, because I think they watch Get Up or NFL, you know, Good Morning, you know, football on the NFL Network too much, where they believe they're legit Super Bowl contenders. They. They've been to one playoff game and won one in the last however many years with Baker and all that talent, yet they should be winning the Super Bowls, which is why they needed to go give 230 guaranteed a player. I, I just, I, <laughs> okay, you know, I mean, good luck with that, you know. Um, I mean, you're seeing Kansas City having to trade one of the top players in the NFL because they can't play their guy because they had to pay their quarterback $500 million. He just guaranteed 230 to that guy. Good luck with that because Miles Garrett and all those other people are going to want their contracts too. So you got about a two-year window. That's just not how I think you build. I mean, 
I don't know. That's just me. I, I just, I see it. I understand it. At the same time, I just, I kind of like what the Saints are doing to this standpoint. I don't think they're purposely not, not signing. They have tried. They went after Watson. I'm almost positive. I mean, the early reports were that the, the two teams that were interested in Landry were the Chiefs and the Saints. Landry hasn't signed anywhere just yet. So what's to say he doesn't? I, I don't know. Just I know they're trying, and they got some things that maybe go against them that they hadn't in the past. Not having Sean, not knowing stability at quarterback, not knowing who's your protection. Those are that aspect, and then the money aspect. So I would just breathe. And if this is like this next year, then we can talk. I'm just I I'm not I'm not freaking out right now. Gus Gagio, good stuff at gcat underscore one seven g k a t t underscore one seven on Twitter. Give him a follow. Listen to ESPN one hundred point three when you're in New Orleans. Weekdays, noon to 3, it's called The Sports Hangover. He is the host. Great stuff, as always, my friend. Missed you last week. Glad you had a great trip, and uh, thanks for taking so much time this morning, man. It's always fun. Maybe I had so much fun last week. Uh, yeah, I, I could have swore we talked last week. Did we not talk No, that? no I, look, I wasn't bothering you last <laughs> week, man. I wasn't like, bothering you last <laughs> week. I, I I knew I I knew the trip I knew the kind of trip you were on. I'm like, no, no, this this he doesn't need to be working on this trip. Um, no, man, appreciate oh, it as always, bad. buddy. <laughs> For sure, man. You have a good weekend. And uh, how about go Pels? Spurs and Lakers, man. Spurs and Lakers. Four o'clock Saturday, six o'clock Sunday. I mean, it's been a while since they've played meaningful basketball games this late in the season. So that's a good thing. Uh, coming up next, Brad Topham's going to join me. Big series for Cajun baseball on the diamond against South Alabama. We'll talk about that, among other things. Little LSU baseball as well. Cajun softball has a big weekend series coming up. It's UTA. A lot going on. Don't go anywhere. The Great Scott Show continues right after this. (laughs) 